This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to Pain.tv slash gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are reviewing Industrial Society and its future paper written in 1995. And as I said, it's going to get quite uncomfortable, ladies and gentlemen, so get used to it. Get comfortable being uncomfortable as we explore these ideas. All right, it says, paragraph 49, for primitive societies, the natural world, which usually changes only slowly, provided a stable framework and therefore a sense of security. In the modern world, it is human society that dominates nature rather than the other way around. And modern society changes very rapidly owing to technological change. Thus, there is no stable framework. This is really important that you understand this and that you accept this as true. Uh, this is what Yuval Noah Harari, the king philosopher to the false industrial revolution and the world economic forum, uh, talks about. All right. As he says that. Once technology reaches exponential growth, let's just take it from the position of you and your job, a human is going to have to learn a new skill every day because each day your skill will be engineered out of existence. Your job will be engineered out of existence. And so when you take that on this little micro level and then look at it on the macro level, what he is talking about, the author here, is that society is changing rapidly because of the technological change. It's not stable. There's no security. Uh, Just look at it in the position of jobs because jobs provide the food coupons for you to meet those physical, biological needs, you know, food, water, shelter, clothing. Okay, and if there's no security, that is going to lead to chaos or engineer people into the system further because the system is going to tell you that they will take care of those needs for you, either through universal basic income, welfare, food stamps, etc., etc. That's the whole idea behind technocracy. Remember, they're going to give you an equal allotment of energy certificates. We reviewed that here at the Dust and Gold Standard. They're going to give you an equal allotment of the energy certificates to take care of all of your needs. That was the idea behind the stimulus check under Donald Trump. The stimulus check, so beautiful, so wonderful. I got it done, so great, so great. But that was the idea of the stimulus check. You sit home, you do nothing, we will pay you and uh, make sure that you can buy uh, broccoli and baby formula. All right, paragraph 50, the conservatives are fools. Now, here you go, leftist. If you hung with us to this point, now the author will talk about the right. The conservatives are fools. And conservatives out there, chill out, all right? We have to look in the mirror, too. 
It says the conservatives are fools. They whine about the decay of uh, uh, traditional values, yet they enthusiastically support technological progress and economic growth. Apparently, it never occurs to them that you can't make rapid, drastic changes in the technology and the economy of a society without causing rapid changes in all other aspects of the society as well. And that such rapid changes inevitably break down traditional values. I just explained this a segment or so ago. All right. We can't have it both ways. You have to be realistic about this. All right. You can't be sitting there and saying to yourself, well, I want all of this uh, technology, but at the same time be complaining about a prison planet being built around you or central bank digital currency coming. You can't say you want cryptocurrencies, which you believe are about freedom and breaking the system, and at the same time complain about central bank cryptocurrencies. You just can't do it. You can't do it. You can't have it both ways. You have to start being true to yourself. And you have to start rejecting this. You can't cover your house with Amazon Ring cameras and then complain that the system is spying on you and scanning your face constantly. You know, you can't keep going out of your house with the smartphone in your pocket, which is tracking you, listening to you, analyzing you at all times, and then complain that we live inside of 1984. And that's what he's talking about here. I mean, this is such a true statement. It's so important. This is probably one of the most important quotes that conservatives should read. The conservatives are fools. I'm going to repeat this. The conservatives are fools. They whine about the decay of traditional values, yet they enthusiastically support technological progress and economic growth. Apparently, it never occurs to them that you can't make rapid, drastic changes in the technology and the economy of a society without causing rapid changes in all other aspects of the society as well, and that such rapid changes inevitably break down traditional values. All right, folks, please. Try to understand this. Don't take offense to it. I told you, it's a very nuanced author here. Paragraph 51. The breakdown of traditional values to some extent implies the breakdown of the bonds that hold together traditional small-scale social groups. The disintegration of small-scale social groups is also promoted by the fact that modern conditions often require or tempt individuals to move to new locations, separating themselves from their communities. Beyond that, a technological society has to weaken family ties and local communities if it is to function efficiently. In modern society, an individual's loyalty must be first to the system and only secondarily to a small-scale community. Because if the internal loyalties of small-scale communities were stronger than loyalty to the system, such communities would pursue their own advantage at the expense of the system. Guys, this ties right back to the technocracy papers of a hundred years ago that we reviewed here at the Dustin Gold Standard. I mean, think about what he's saying. 
The system has to break the family ties and break the small communities in order for the system to succeed and folks' allegiance to be to the system rather than to the small communities. There are very few small communities left in this country. Very few small communities that truly operate that way. This was the whole entire point of the internet. This is why it came out of DARPA, out of the military. This was the whole point of social media and everything that grows out of the internet. I hear people all the time say to me, social media was the downfall of society. What ushered in social media? The internet. The internet was one of the biggest attacks on humanity ever. And the phones that we carry around in our pocket. Two things that if I polled people, even those thinking about going half Amish, would not want to give up the internet or their phone. Now, for me, I'll be honest about this. This is about being transparent. It is hard to imagine how you will continue to make money, food coupons, without the internet or without your smartphone or your laptop, or your tablet, or your computer, right? Very hard to imagine that. And many of us, this is why I say we're kind of trapped in this one foot in the matrix scenario, don't have $10 million in gold bullion sitting in our backyards right now where we can go buy 100 acres and just go live full Amish until the government comes and kills us or sprays us with chemicals. Most of us can't do that because we have to make money. And in order to make money, we need the internet, we need a phone or a computer or another type of device to access that stuff on the internet, right? So they've driven us into being loyal to the system. We're loyal to the system. And folks move all around the world now, all around the country. Why? Because the internet and the airplane made it very easy to do that. And so you used to have families growing up together on a homestead or a big piece of property, families living together, you know, in a three-floor house, families living together on a city block even, and slowly over time it's been broken up. And now all of a sudden the family is not together. They're spread all over the place. And therefore, now you are on your own, sitting on an island, loyal to the system, loyal to the internet, loyal to the technology. I mean, it was very brilliant what they did, but this author, he breaks it down so perfectly. Let's continue. Paragraph 52. Suppose that a public official or a corporation executive appoints his cousin, his friend, or his co-religionist to a position rather than appointing the person best qualified for a job. He has permitted personal loyalty to supersede his loyalty to the system, and that is, quote, nepotism, end quote, or, quote, discrimination, end quote, both of which are terrible sins in modern society. Would-be industrial societies that have done a poor job of subordinating personal or local loyalties to loyalty to the system are usually very inefficient. Look at Latin America. Thus, an advanced industrial society can tolerate only those small-scale communities that are emasculated tamed and made into tools of the system do you see how this has been done over time it's strategic it's orchestrated this author had this figured out folks back in 1995 i don't see 
a lot of uh, podcasters out there. I don't even think I've seen any so-called conservative talk radio hosts talking about this stuff. Not at all, folks. But this was figured out. And it's important to understand this because it's going to answer a lot of the questions that we've asked ourselves. I think this has just been perfect timing to cover this 125 episodes in because it's answering a lot of questions for me based on stuff we've already discussed here at the Dustin Gold Standard. This is why after episode 10, I decided to wait. And the timing, I think, now is right. When we get back, more on this, folks. This is Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold and we are deep into industrial society and its future, a prophetic paper written in 1995. And again, folks, I I don't know if this was written by a prophet, some kind of a mind-controlled messenger delivering uh, revelation, a method. I'm not sure exactly yet, folks, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to have a conversation about this in future episodes. Either way, this uh, predicted exactly where we are today. Uh, and I think this is one of the most important papers written in modern times. Let's continue with paragraph 53. It says, crowding, rapid change in the breakdown of communities have been widely recognized as sources of social problems. But we do not believe they are enough to account for the extent of the problems that are seen today. Paragraph 54, a few in uh, pre-industrial cities were large and crowded, yet their inhabitants do not seem to have suffered from psychological problems to the same extent as modern man. In America today, there are still are uncrowded rural areas, and we find there the same problems as in urban areas, though the problems tend to be less acute in the rural areas. Thus, crowding does not seem to be the decisive factor. Paragraph 55, on the growing edge of the American frontier during the 19th century, the mobility of the population probably broke down extended families and small-scale social groups to at least the same extent as these are broken down today. In fact, many nuclear families lived in choice in such isolation, having no neighbors within several miles that they belonged to no community at all. Yet they do not seem to have developed problems as a result. All right, I'm going to keep going through this and we'll talk about it shortly. Paragraph 56, furthermore, change in American frontier society was very rapid and deep. A man might be born and raised in a log cabin outside the reach of law and order and fed largely on wild meat. And by the time he arrived at old age, he might be working 
at a regular job and living in an ordered community with effective law enforcement. This was a deeper change than that which typically occurs in the life of a modern individual, yet it does not seem to have led to psychological problems. In fact, 19th century American society had an optimistic and self-confident tone, quite unlike that of today's society. But let's just look at the changes that have occurred in, let's say, my lifetime, again, I was the last generation to be born without the internet in my pocket, all right? I did not have an iPhone until college or after college, something like that. No, yeah, I didn't even buy a cell phone until I was in college, all right? So, I grew up without the internet. Look at the world today, folks. Look at the world today. How many things have actually changed uh, since the world that I lived in? And so he's talking about a guy who grew up uh, out in the middle of nowhere in a log cabin eating wild meat. And the next thing you know, later in life, the guy's living in some sort of a uh, planned suburb somewhere. All right, it says, uh, paragraph 57, the difference, we argue, is that modern man has the sense, largely justified, that change is imposed on him, whereas the 19th century frontiersman had the sense, also largely justified, that he created change himself by his own choice. Thus, a pioneer settled on a piece of land of his own choosing and made it into a farm through his own effort. In those days, an entire county might have only a couple hundred inhabitants and was a far more isolated and autonomous entity than a modern county is. Hence, the pioneer farmer participated as a member of a relatively small group in the creation of a new ordered community. One may well question whether the creation of his community was an improvement, but at any rate, it satisfied the pioneer's need for the power process. All right, you understand that because this pioneer is part of a small group of people living in a county and they started to build up this idea of sort of a planned community. He was in the beginning phases of it, but because he was active in actually helping build it, wanted to build it, it would have satisfied the power process. Unlike today, you, you know, you, you could be part of nothing really. You just float through life. Uh, paragraph 58 it would be possible to give other examples of societies in which there has been rapid change and or lack of close community ties without the kind of massive behavioral aberration that is seen in today's industrial society we contend that the most important cause of social and psychological problems in modern society is the fact that people have insufficient opportunity to go through the power process in a normal way We don't mean to say that modern society is the only one in which the power process has been disrupted. Probably most, if not all, civilized societies have interfered with the power process to a greater or lesser extent. But in modern industrial society, the problem has become particularly acute. Leftism, at least in its recent mid to late 20th century form, is in part a symptom of deprivation with respect to the power process. And folks, we can talk about all these ideas that grow out of uh, leftism. We have here, we're talking about progressivism, socialism, communism. Uh, We're talking about even 
fascism grows out of the left not out of the right we're talking about things like eugenics technocracy transhumanism all these systems of control let's move on disruption of the power process in modern society paragraph 59 we divide human drives into three groups one those drives that can be satisfied with minimal effort Number two, those that can be satisfied, but only at the cost of serious effort. And three, those that cannot be adequately satisfied no matter how much effort one makes. The power process is the process of satisfying the drives of the second group, okay? So that is those that can be satisfied, but only at the cost of serious effort. So the power process is the process of satisfying the drives of those that can be satisfied, but only at the cost of serious effort. The more drives there are in the third group, the more there is frustration, anger, eventually defeatism, depression, etc. Those are drives uh, where, where the uh, goal cannot actually be achieved. This is why I told you guys it's important to actually plan your goals to be realistic so that you don't fail at them and you can actually achieve them. It's important to be able to achieve these goals that you guys put together. So keep them realistic and do the research before you start working towards those goals. Make sure it's something that you have a very good chance at actually achieving. Number 60, in modern industrial society, natural human drives tend to be pushed into the first and third groups. And the second group tends to consist increasingly of artificially creative drives important there so what he's saying is in, in in this modern technocracy that we live under the majority of these human drives are going to get pushed into the group where you can achieve the drives easily or you're not going to be able to achieve them at all very little get put into the category of working hard to achieve them and actually being able to achieve them Paragraph 61, in primitive societies, physical necessities generally fall into group two. Okay, that's working hard at them and being able to achieve them. They can be obtained, but only at the cost of serious effort. But modern society tends to guarantee the physical necessities to everyone in exchange for only minimal effort. Hence, physical needs are pushed into group one. There may be disagreement about whether the effort needed to hold a job is, quote, minimal, end quote, but usually in lower to middle level jobs, whatever effort is required is merely that of obedience. Okay, he's repeating that. You sit or stand where you are told to sit or stand and do what you are told to do in the way you were told to do it. Seldom do you have to exert yourself seriously, and in many cases, you have hardly any autonomy in work so that the need for the power process is not well served. You understand what he's saying, right? No matter where you work, they're going to just drive you into some mindless job. You're just a robot. And you're going to just do these tasks all day. And as long as you're obedient and you follow the rules, you're going to be fine. Uh, Paragraph 62. Social needs, such as sex, love, and status, often remain in group two in modern society, depending on the situation of the individual. All right, so it'd be work hard at it and be able to achieve it. But except for people who have a particularly strong drive for status, the effort required to fulfill the social drives is insufficient to satisfy adequately the need for the power process. All right, let's look at uh, paragraph 63. 
So certain artificial needs have been created that fall into group two, hence serve the need for the power process. Advertising and marketing techniques have been developed that make many people feel they need things that their grandparents never desired or even dreamed of. It requires serious effort to earn enough money to satisfy these artificial needs, hence they fall into group two. But see, paragraphs 80 to 82, we'll eventually get to that. Modern man must satisfy his need for the power process largely through pursuit of the artificial needs created by the advertising and marketing industry and through surrogate activities. You understand what he's saying here, right? So you used to have to work hard and exert your effort to go out and kill that deer and bring it home. Your wife had to work hard to go out into the cold to gather potatoes and mushrooms and such. So what they did is because society is supplying those physical and biological needs to you in a somewhat uh, easy fashion, right? Now what they do is they create all of these artificial, materialistic, consumeristic things. So you have to work harder at work or work extra hours to get more money to be able to go buy a flat screen TV, even though the flat screen TV has nothing to do with your survival or with protecting your family. So they use advertising and marketing to create products to make you work harder So you're working harder, but are you really achieving the power process? And if not, you're moving towards surrogate activities, things that have nothing to do with working hard towards being able to actually survive. Let's continue. Paragraph 64. It seems that for many people, maybe the majority, these artificial forms of the power process are insufficient. A theme that appears repeatedly in the writings of the social critics of the second half of the 20th century is the sense of purposelessness that afflicts many people in modern society. This purposelessness is often called by other names, such as anomic or middle-class vacuity. We suggest that the so-called identity crisis is actually a search for a sense of purpose, often for commitment to a suitable surrogate activity. It may be that existentialism is in large part a response to the purposelessness of modern life. Very widespread in modern society is the search for, quote, fulfillment, end quote. But we think that for the majority of people, an activity whose goal is fulfillment, that is a surrogate activity, does not bring completely satisfactory fulfillment. In other words, it does not fully satisfy the need for the power process. See paragraph 41, which we covered. That need can be fully satisfied only through activities that have some external goals, such as physical necessities, sex, love, status, revenge, etc. All right, are you understanding this, folks? I'm going to do one more paragraph today. We're going to wrap this up. Tomorrow we're going to have Wide Awake Jim, and then we're going to pick up over the weekend with some guests going through Monday. All right, let's do paragraph 65. Moreover, where goals are pursued through earning money, climbing the status ladder or functioning as part of the system in some other way, most people are not in a position to pursue their goals autonomously. Most workers are someone else's employee. 
and as we pointed out in paragraph 61, must spend their days doing what they are told to do in the way they are told to do it. Even most people who are in business for themselves have only limited autonomy. It is a chronic complaint of small business persons and entrepreneurs that their hands are tied by excessive government regulation. True. Some of these regulations are doubtless unnecessary, but for the most part, government regulations are essential and inevitable parts of our extremely complex society. A large portion of small businesses today operate on the franchise system. It was reported in the Wall Street Journal a few years ago that many of the franchise-granted companies require applicants for franchises to take a personality test that is designed to exclude those who have creativity and initiative because such persons are not sufficiently docile to go along obediently with the franchise system. This excludes from small businesses many of the people who most need autonomy. Folks, even back then, right, in 1995, the author is talking about, even in the franchise model, they wanted robots, you know, to operate in the system. Even if you're going to own a franchise, you had to be a robot. We're going to talk about some of that with some future guests, that you need to be good little robots and follow the rules. I think we're going to get into that, actually, with Justin. (laughs) who will be on the show on Monday, ladies and gentlemen. You are not allowed to be a creative. You're not allowed to use common sense or critical thinking, even if you're inside law enforcement or the military. Justin is going to talk about that. I had this conversation with him today. So, ladies and gentlemen, absorb this industrial society in its future. Uh, If you Google it, you can find it in PDF form. It's a very important paper. We're going to continue to work through it over the next week or so as we bring in various guests and we expand our mind and expand our world view. Ladies and gentlemen, until then, keep writing down those goals. Start thinking about those solutions. Start to make steps in your plan to insulate yourself and your family from the coming extinction of mankind through the engineering of humanity out of existence by the technocrats that we are learning about every single day here at the Dustin Gold Standard. My name is Dustin Gold, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion... at pain.tv slash gold.